0: Well, I was looking to the Lord as to what we needed to do tonight, and, you know, Friday nights have been he- nights, and um, there's nothing better to talk about than than healing, because um, so many people, I tell you, there's, I don't guess you can go in a service if there's ten people, nine of them are going to be sick, fighting off something. It's just, it's just the way it is, because the devil's out there, and, um so it's something that's here with us in this world and, and, something we have to look at. So I thought, well, I could teach on something else because Keith, he's like, do whatever you want to do. Dance, shout, run, party, whatever y'all want to do, do it. You know, he don't, he don't leave any limitations for us. He just says, take the service, you know, and, and, um, so that's what we do. But in seeking God about what we wanted to do tonight and what we were supposed to do tonight, I got something on my heart. And um, I thought about it, and I thought, Lord, if one of our staff members, which I call our kids, got sick, and they got a bad report, and we had to do something, and something was really bad for them, what would I do? How would I treat it? What would I do? Where would I go? What would I tell them? I mean, because a lot of them has been with us, you know, 10, 12, 15 years. They're they're like our kids, you know. I mean, they've been there for us night and day. And you could call any one of them night or day. And they'd drop whatever they were doing and just be there instantly. So they're our kids. And and you'd want to help them any way you could. So I thought, what would I tell them? And I started thinking about it. And the Lord dropped this on my heart. And it's a funny illustration. But he reminded me of when we moved to Oklahoma. And we loaded up our truck like the Beverly Hillbillies. Everything we had in our little Vega... That the engine blew up on And our little trigger truck That the gear shifted Stuck on it We had to get out with our suits on And correct the linkage Underneath it In the middle of downtown And uh, But that's what we had And went to Tulsa And I remember we were there And all we had to eat At the time We didn't have a dime All we had to eat Was The peas and cornbread Keith's mother and Dad pulled out of their freezer and sent with us in the, an ice chest when we went for the first month. You know, they cleaned out their freezer and sent peas and butter beans that they grew in their own. You know, so I thought, okay, I'm going to cook. So I cooked some peas and or beans—I forget which one it was—and I was cooking a pan of cornbread because you know cornmeal's pretty cheap. You know, so you can usually get some cornmeal. And I was cooking it, and I cooked a pan of cornbread, and I put it in the oven, and I did what I normally do. I got the cornmeal out, I put it in there, put the egg in it, you know, and put the buttermilk in it, and put the skillet in the oven with a little oil in it, and got it hot, and then I poured the oil in the batter, and then I poured the batter in the skillet and put it in the oven. I do know how to cook a little bit. But um, I don't anymore much, but. but anyway, and I got ready to pull it out of the oven. Keith was all ready to eat. And it was flat as I don't know what. I looked out and I thought, what happened to my cornbread? Did I forget how to make cornbread because I crossed a state line or two? <laughs> you know, I drove from Mississippi to Oklahoma. Now I can't make cornbread anymore. What happened? So I threw it away. I got the stuff out and I started all over again. Made another pan of cornbread, poured the cornmeal, got the egg out, put the egg in, put the buttermilk in, put the oil in, put the skillet, washed the skillet, redid the skillet, put it back in the oven, got it hot, put the oil in, put the did the same thing again. Waited for it to cook. Keeps having to wait. Look at it. Flat. I thought, something ain't right here. I did that three times. I thought, I'm doing, I mean, what is wrong here? Something's wrong with the oven. It's not heating up. So I checked the oven. I checked everything about it. You know, it's not heating the way it should. This oven, something's wrong with it, you know. So I did everything on the oven. No, the oven's hot. So finally, I went and got the bag of cornmeal. And I looked at the cornmeal. Now, being the southern girl that I am, when you go to the store to get cornmeal in the south, it's ready to make cornbread. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Now, when you get to Oklahoma, it's not ready to make cornbread. It's missing stuff. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay. It means you have to add stuff to it, like baking soda or baking powder and salt to get it to rise. Well, I didn't know baking powder, never seen probably baking powder because I never had to add it to it. So he had to eat flat cornbread. So we could get some, I mean, they had to buy another ingredient. So now I get my cornmeal shipped in. My mother can tell you, every time they go to Mississippi or Louisiana, they have to bring in my cornmeal. Because I don't like the cornmeal from here. I like the cornmeal from there. They have to bring me in white lily cornmeal advertisement. Fifteen bags, she says. 'Cause we like cornbread. So you say, What in the world are you talking about? What does that have to do with anything? Well, this is what it has to do with. Scripture. Can't preach without a scripture, right? All right, turn to one. Second Peter. Chapter 1, yeah, let it roll down. We get diamond rings that roll down. Whatever it is, just let it roll. To the pr- we'll put it in Celebration Sunday. I seriously, I've had wedding bands roll down here, and I just take them and put them over my shoulder and pass them back. You know, with the hope they get to the right person. You know, maybe they're trying to get rid of their wedding band. I don't know. Anyway, back to the scripture. Second Peter, chapter one, verse five. And besides this, giving all diligence, do what? Add. Add to your faith virtue. And to virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, temperance. And to temperance, patience. And to patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, charity. And for if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you be neither barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let's read verse 8 in the NIV. It says, For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you... From being what? Ineffective Ineffective and unproductive. I got to thinking. My cornbread was ineffective and unproductive. There's people, we won't raise our hands but their faith for their healing or their faith for their finances or their faith for their spouse or their faith for their job or their faith for whatever their believe, are, their house, their car. Their ministry has been maybe ineffective, are unproductive. So I got to thinking if it was one of the people that were working for me, I would begin to look for where they were ineffective at. Because you can't get healed if you don't fix something. Because there's a lot... How many people in here right now can quote me a healing scripture? Raise your hand. Just if I pointed to you, I would guarantee you I could go down the row and you could just... I could hand you a microphone and 98% of... Even, I mean, the little ones are raising their hands all over the room can quote me a healing scripture. And how many of you in here know... That by Jesus' stripes, you were healed. You know it. Hi, Deborah. I love you. Craig, Everybody in here knows that. You know that you're healed. So then why are you still sick? Why do you still have to take that prescription? Why do you still have those headaches? Why do you still have to wear those glasses? Why do you still have to wear those contacts? I'm not talking about anybody, no you know, more than I'm talking about myself. Why do we have to do these things? Because we've been ineffective and unproductive in some area. So we need to figure out what that area is. And I don't know about you, but I like truth. And I like to count. I knew that on that cornbread I needed to do something to fix it. In order to fix that cornbread, I could continue making it that same way over and 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 over, and over again. And it was going to turn out the same way over and over and over and over and over and over again. Unless I changed something and I added the necessary ingredients to make the change. It was going to stay the same. So was I willing to make the effort to go to the store and pay the money? And get the stinking baking soda. And put the salt and figure out, I don't know how much to add. I've never had to add that. In the south, it just comes in it. And it never turned out right when I had to do it that way. So I had to go through the other effort of getting what I wanted put forth the extra effort to do it the the way it really needed to be done and get the original. So let's look at some of this stuff and see what we need to add. See if there's things that we need to add to our faith that we have been neglecting that's keeping us from accomplishing the things that we want to accomplish. Because if we want faith victories we've got to do says in order to have them okay God himself will lead you in your faith in accordance to where you are spiritually now with me and my faith he might tell me Phyllis don't take that Phyllis don't have that surgery Phyllis don't do this Phyllis don't do that but now you and you're a baby Christian, he might tell you, have the surgery, take the medication, go to the doctor. He will lead you in accordance to where your faith is. Not where my faith is. So don't try to live your life. Where my faith is. Live your life where your faith is. Or you're going to have a faith failure. Just because you see your neighbor. And they've decided. I'm not going to have that surgery. They say I'm not going to have it. Now they may have been in the word 30 years on healing. Because I'll be honest with you, Keith taught healing school morning, noon, and night for 20 years or longer. I mean, because he still teaches healing. And I didn't. Now, Keith hasn't been sick. People that know him, how, how long has it been since Keith has been sick? Have you ever seen him sick? They're all going, no. Why, though? Because he has built his, uh, and you remember the first night he started teaching on healing? He was like a bear. You just test me on this. Y'all remember that? It was like, dare me. Come on. Because he knows it. So for him to do certain things would be wrong for him. So you don't base your on what he knows. You base your faith on what you know, and you ain't been studying healing for 30 years. Or you could go down the tube. Okay, let's look at these things and see where we are. God will lead you and he'll tell you to do some things. Virtue is the first one. As God does some things, he doesn't just... Let's see how I can put this. Healing is yours, but oftentimes in the scripture, he required things of people When he prayed for them. Do you remember these things? Say for instance like. I'll tell you a couple of them here. The man sick of the palsy. In Matthew 9 he said. Arise. Do what? Take up your bed. What if he'd have said. I'm not going to get up. I'm not healed. Would he have been healed? No. Mark 3. The guy that he told. With the withered hand. Stretch forth your hand. What if he just said, stretch forth your hand, and he just said, but I can't. And he just kept it like this. Would he have been healed? No. No. Okay. Then what about, this is one of my favorites, Jairus. Him, different translations say, fear not. What if he, they said, your daughter's dead. Now, that's a bad case your daughter's dead, and he said, fear not. What if he would have feared? She would have really done to be dead and stayed dead. Oftentimes, there is healing, but there is requirements from us, things that we have to do. Things on our part that we are required to do. How many times have you gone to God for healing and he told you to do something? How many can raise your hand? That you know God told you to do something. And it had absolutely nothing to do with healing. I know it's been with me. Like, repent. You ever told you something like that? Yeah. Well, let's look at some of these things. Virtue. Add to your faith virtue. What is virtue? Virtue is moral excellence and righteousness and goodness. Let's look at something that I think morals contains morals. What are morals? Morals. What do you think about when you think about morals? Married person. What do you think about? Not sleeping around. Morals. Not cheating. Let's look at one of them. Proverbs 5. Give you some help on it. Verse 7. It says, hear me now, therefore, O ye children, and depart not from the words of my mouth. Remove thy way far from her, and come not nigh the door of her house. Lest thou give honor unto others, and thy years unto the cruel. Lest strangers be filled with your wealth, and thy labors be in the house of a stranger. Now listen to this next. We're talking about Healing. And thou mourn at last when thy flesh and thy body are consumed. And you say, I have hated instruction and my heart has despised reproof. I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers nor inclined mine ear to them that instructed me. I was almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation and assembly. Proverbs 5, 8 of that says in the Amplified... The very last part of it It says, let your way in life be far from her and come not near the door of her house. Look at the last part of that. Avoid the very senses of temptation. Or scenes of temptation. Just stay away from temptation. Don't get close to it. Now listen to the message Bible in verse 8. Keep your distance ...from such a woman. Absolutely stay out of her neighborhood. The Living Bible says... ...verse 7 through 14... ...it says... ...young men, listen to me... ...and never forget what I'm about to say. Run from her. Don't go near her house lest you fall into her temptation and lose your honor and give the remainder of your life to the cruel and the merciless, lest strangers obtain your wealth and you become slaves to foreigners, lest afterwards you groan in anguish and in shame with syphilis and it consumes your body and you say, Oh, if I'd only listened, if I'd only hadn't demanded my own way. Oh, why wouldn't I take advice? Why was I so stupid? For now I must face public disgrace. The Good News translation says, Now listen to me, sons, and never forget what I'm going to say. Keep away from such a woman. Don't even go near her door. If you do, others will gain the respect that you once had. Verse 11 says, you will lie groaning on your deathbed and your flesh and your muscles will be eaten away. Verse 12, why would I never learn? That's serious, isn't it? But what I want to get across to you is virtue is. People don't look at it. But. People are doing things. In the privacy, they think. What does private mean? Y'all tell me. I'm used to the youth. Y'all talk to me. What does private mean? Not in public, in secret. Enclosed? But who sees all? So are you really in private? And who do you need to go to for your healing? Who do you need to go to for that new... Who are you going for that new house? And seeing what you're doing in private. Does he see when you watch two naked people on TV? Does he see what you do with that computer? Does he see what you do with that woman in that cubicle? Well now, your wife see it and your boss don't see it so it's private right no but does it matter sees it who do you have to are you believing your wife for that healing Are you believing your wife for that new house? Do you think she has the money to buy you that new house? Wives, are you believing your husband for that new house? Does he have the money to buy you that new house? So can you quit looking at the computer long enough to believe God? Which do you want more? That's what you have to decide. You have to add to your faith virtue. Because God still sees. And God is the one that's dealing with you, and God is the one that opens the channels, and God is the one that's going to bring it a path. And he still sees. And people say faith doesn't work. Okay, let's go on since we're having so much fun. Knowledge. Knowledge. Knowledge is a good thing. Familiarity, awareness, understanding gained through experience or study, the sum or range of what has been perceived, discovered, or learned. Proverbs 15:14 The heart of him that has understanding understanding seeks knowledge but the mouth of fools feeds on foolishness The New Living says a wise person is hungry for knowledge, uh-oh, while a fool, what do you call it, what do you think trash is? How many of us feed on trash at night sometimes? <laughs> okay, so I'm the only one in here that ever watches TV at night, Okay? lying Woo every person in here and you think you're going to get something from god didn't even raise your hand. how many of you in here feeds on trash at night besides me uh-huh yeah three or four of you honest people you'll get something the rest of you y'all still gonna to have to come to the altar at the end of the service bless your hearts can't even be honest for five minutes Oh, well, God will see it. He knows. Hey, even Disney is trash. I mean, it's not, I'm not talking about you watching porn. If you knew me and what I watched, I'm calling parrot trap trash. And the fox and the hound trash. And uh, uh, somebody on the Internet has heard me talk, and they sent me the most wonderful thing the other day. They sent me Mr. Bill and Buffy and Jody and Sissy and Mr. French. All the series of it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Oh, it has been so wonderful. I have enjoyed it so much. And Mrs. Beasley, of course. Yes, so uh, I've enjoyed it so much. And thank you. Thank you the guys that did that so that's the kind of trash i'm talking about you know so uh i'm not talking about porn so um but anyway let's go on before somebody loses their salvation here <laughs> james 4:17. it's like this one here maybe this will get some of you turned around understand what i'm talking about Therefore, to him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it's sin. Amplified says, so any person that knows what is right and does it not, to him it's sin. So in other words, if God's telling you, you need to be doing something else instead of watching your TV, to you it's sin. NIV says, anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and does it not, it's sin. You know, I think that there are a lot of people that's a lot lot of TV. You want me to tell you why I think that? Because we have a lot of really, 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 extremely good actors in our midst. I do. I think a lot of people could win Oscars for how good they act. They come to and they're... <clears throat> and um, they never do anything wrong. They never say a foul word. They never watch anything. So they wouldn't even raise their hand a while go. <laughs> You'd never see them watch anything wrong. You know, they have their life. To... They're very, very, very good actors. But they'll never get involved because they're afraid if they get too involved, somebody's going to see the real side of them. They won't get up too close because if they get too close, Robin and Dave's going to see them. <laughs> hey, I'm serious. We've had people, I'm telling you what, they've told us almost that. People want to live in their own dream world. I've got three Ps here as to why people don't get healed. Do you want to know what they are? Hey, I'm talking to you like if I was if I had one of the kids that was sick in the office, they'll tell you, they'll sit right there and tell you, this is how I'd talk to them. I'd sit down and I'd say, they'd say, why am I sick? I don't understand. I'd say, well... What have you been doing? They'd say, well, nothing. I'd say, right, <laughs> nothing. How much have you been reading your Bible? Uh, how much have you been watching TV? Uh, and what about this? I know you were mean to them. I know you were short with them. I know what you've been doing. Lord, show me. Just because I didn't tell you, doesn't mean I didn't know it. Is that right? <laughs> and how long do you all stay sick? Not long. How many of you been healed? All of them. Because they don't pretend They don't pretend like There's nothing there Because there's one thing Keith doesn't like It's lying And if you're going to work for us He'll read your mail Like a And he can tell it And he'll say He'll ask me what's going on with them and I say, duh, 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 duh. I know it. Fix it. And that's the end of the conversation. So I fix it. <laughs> but why do you do that? Because you're mean and you're hard? No, because you don't want to get hurt or- next week that somebody's earache turned into a tumor in their ear. or because somebody's belly ache turned into cancer because we know how to prevent that kind of thing so that's why I'm talking to you the way that I'm talking to you is because we feel like that if God has put us over this place that you guys whether I'm younger or older or our kids and I'd much rather be here talking to you than in the hospital talking to you because you got a big tumor in your belly. Thank you. Or they diagnosed you yesterday and said you got three weeks to live. And you say, well, that won't happen to me. I believe that. But the way it won't happen is by dealing with the truth, not pretending. There's people in here right now that like their sickness. I got three Ps down here. You thought I got away from it. They like their sickness because it gives them pity. And as long as you want pity, you will keep your sickness. You can't be a friend to sickness and fight sickness. We've all been there. Every person in this room has suffered for their self at some time or another. It's just how long you yield to it. I did just the other day. I cried for about one minute. That's the extent of it. One minute. And to me, that was a big cry. I told Dave I had a big cry today. Didn't I say I had a big cry today? It was was one whole minute, maybe 30 seconds about something. And I was pretty upset about it. But I didn't go around all day long. And feel sorry for myself. And hide in my room. And expect people to do things for me. And expect the whole world to revolve around me. And when I don't feel good, mostly nobody ever knows it. Because there's still stuff to do. And if you pity yourself and you want attention when you don't feel good, you will hang on to it for a very, 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 very long time. You've got to want to not side in with the devil. You have a choice to make. Pity sides in with the devil, that's his side. We all like to do it. There's not a person in this room that doesn't like to feel sorry for their self, but you just have to grab hold of yourself and get your hands, get the nap of your neck, and say, I'm not going there. Because you know where it's going to lead. The more you do it, the more you want it. And the thing about it is, it's really not that fun. Why do you really want people to feel sorry for you? Do you really, really want people to pity you and do things for you out of pity? Think about it. Think about it. You want your husband to do something for you because he pities you are because He loves you and He... You want your kids to do something for you because they pity you. It's bad stuff. And the more you give in to that stuff, it will feed you... And it will go away for a little bit, then it will come back. Then it will go away, and you'll feel better, and then it will come back. And then you'll find that it will be shorter spans in between the times. And it'll be shorter spans in between the times that you feel bad. And it'll be shorter spans in between the times that you feel bad. Anybody ever overcome depression? How does it happen? Just that way. You start feeling sorry for yourself. And you do it longer and longer. And you do it longer. And it lasts longer every time. But the same way you get into it is the same way you get out of it. So if you've been yielding to it, you do just the opposite things that you did that you got into it with. You take a step and you say, I'm feeling sorry for myself. And you brush it off this time. And then the next time it comes, when you realize it, you say, no, I'm not going to feel sorry for myself. You shake it off. You get up. You may have a headache. And you may be sick to your stomach. But as you're throwing up, I'm not going to feel sorry for myself. And you get up and you go on. And you'll find out you'll throw up shorter. Your headache will last shorter. You'll be sicker shorter. Well, you say, but I am sick. Yeah, and that's why you're sick. Because if you give in to it, it is the devil's playground. And he works real well in that playground. I remember Keith told me, and I've told this before, but it really is... An absolutely wonderful story. We were in Guatemala on a missions trip. And we were there and, he, and I had drank. And when you're not used to the water there, you should not drink the water there. And I hadn't been drinking it, but I had forgotten and brushed my teeth with it. And um, I got really sick one morning. And um, he looked at me and he said, now Phil, You can give in to this and be in bed the whole rest of our trip. Or you can fight it off. Mr. Healing, remember? And now I could, be, I could be a stubborn, rebellious wife like I used to be and say, you don't understand, I'm sick. Feels me. I'm throwing up and I'm in the bathroom every 30 seconds. You don't understand, I'm sick. I was sick. I was green. Green is her shirt. I was sick. And he just looked me in the eye and said, now you can give in to this. And be in bed the whole rest of our trip. Or you can get up and go about our routine. And it will go away. We'll pray. Go away. What do you think I did? Got up. Shook it off. Went out. I had to make many a trip to the bathroom the rest of that afternoon. But it went away in a few hours. I wasn't sick the rest of the whole trip. And that's what happens when you give in to the devil. You're sick the whole rest of the trip. And that's what happens in your life. You can pity it. Okay? Knowledge is when you know to do good and you don't do it. You know better than to give in to that stuff. And anyway, you know better. You know it in your heart, but you're doing it anyway. Okay? The second one on that is pride. Pride. You know better than anybody else about being healed. Some people we've had come in here. They're at death's door, but they know the answer. They're going to do it their way. They're the ones sick. We're the ones healed, but they're going to do it their way. They don't want to hear anybody's opinion about anything. They want to do it their way. Pride is a bad thing. Sometimes you need to listen to people. Get counsel when things get serious. Don't be stubborn. Your friends tell you you need to do this. You need to back up and say, well, maybe, maybe I do. Maybe I need to talk to somebody about this. Don't just take anybody's opinion about it, but talk to your elders about it, okay? Be in pride about it. And then the other thing is practice. What do I mean by practice? Don't let people practice on you. Doctors are sent from God. They're a blessing, they're here, and many of us would not be here if there had not been doctors. But don't let them practice on you. You be led about what you're supposed to do. Knowledge. Be wise. Okay? All right. James 1. 16. 16. And we're just on number two. We'll get there. James 1:16. It says, "Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good and every perfect gift is from above, and comes down from the Father of Lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning." James 1 says, "In the amplified 116 says, "Don't be misled." The NIV says, don't be deceived. You're not hiding stuff from God. This knowledge that we were talking about, this pity, this pride, He knows. The virtue that we were talking about on the first one, He already knows. Don't be deceived. He knows, okay? Acts twenty four sixteen. This is what you want to have where this stuff is concerned, in the knowledge department. If you can have this, where the first two, the virtue and the knowledge, are concerned, we've got the two nailed. And herein do I exercise myself to always have a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. So, if you can go to bed at night and your conscience be clear, you got it. How many of you does God deal with you when you go to bed at night? Every here. You know if you messed up that day or not. You know if things are right between you and God or not. That's when to fix it. Fix it then. If you're not healed, you're not getting your house. You can do anything you want to do to receive the things you want from God. I mean, that's what I had to decide a long time ago. Do I want the house or do I want to be rebellious? Which do I want more? <laughs> Rebellion? Hmm. House. Hmm. New jag? Hmm. Rebellion. Hmm. Move? Hmm. The ring. Hmm. You have to decide. Everything in your life is a decision. You have to decide which you want more. Okay, temperance. Oh, this is a good one. Moderation and self-restraint. You gotta add this to your faith. Ooh. Control. You can only eat a half of the pie. <laughs> only drink two cups of coffee instead of six. Only one Andes instead of two. First Peter uh-oh 3 1 Oh no Where are we going with this Likewise You husbands sub- submit to your wives No, didn't say that. No, likewise, I got that right? Yeah, no, I don't think so. Likewise, you wives, objection to your own husbands, that if they obey not the word, what's the next part? They can be won by the conversation of the wives. That didn't really say that, you know. It really meant the lifestyle of the wife. It meant, really meant how they lived. And verse 7 is what I want you to get about this. And you'll understand where I'm going with this. Likewise, you husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor to the wife as unto the weaker vessel. And as being heirs together of the grace of life, the last part highlighted. Draw circles and stars around it. Borrow a highlighter. That your prayers be not hindered. Now, you have to decide. Do you want the new motorcycle, or to have a fight with your wife? Do you want, ladies, to och- and win the fight, or to get the new house? You have to decide. You have to decide if you want the new furniture or the fight. You think I'm kidding? No, you're not. No, you're not. Temperance. Self-control. Why are your prayers not getting answered? Because you have to add some things to faith. I didn't write this. God wrote you have to add temperance to your faith. To get some things. You're not healed. Which do you prefer? Ruptured disc? Or... The toilet paper being put on the holder that way. Which do you prefer, migraines or him picking his underwear up off the floor? Which do you prefer, colon cancer or dirty left in the kitchen? Which do you prefer? One day, Brandy came in the kitchen and she says, Hey, Phil, Uncle Keith is a mess. Right? He had 52,000 different things going. He was having to get a flight plan. He was having to get ready to leave. He was having to do this. He came in there and he ate and he ran out of the kitchen. I said, sweetheart, I'll clean up his messes any day of the week. I'd much rather have him than not. Isn't that what I answered you? Now you have to make a choice. Are you going to fight over who vacuums the floor? Who picks the kids up after school? Who makes the bed? Who turns out the light? Who takes out the dog? Who turns on the dishwasher? Who does the (laughs) 50-50? Are you going to spend 98% of your time at a doctor's office? I'd rather clean up the kitchen than go to a doctor's office. I would rather pick up clothes off the floor than pay medical bills. I had now you have to make your own choices I'd rather not be rebellious and drive a new car you have to make decisions for yourself though it's easier said than done when you have to make the decision though is the hard time is in the heat of the battle It's when you're ready to demand your own way. Hey, and don't just look at me like I'm not married. It doesn't matter. (laughs) You have a boss. You have fellow employees. You have kids. It's the same thing. You can get just as mad at your kids because they don't clean up their room. You can get just as mad at your fellow employee because they got that sale and took it away from you. You can get just as mad at them because they got that promotion and you didn't get it. Like God ain't in charge of promotions. And spend... The money that not only you didn't get the promotion, but lose more money at the doctor's office from being sick because you're mad about the promotion. Temperance. Self-control. you got to add it to your faith or you'll be sick. There's a lot, a lot of sick people... in our society today, if we had a head count in here of every person that was taking something for sickness, I wouldn't want to show a hands, because they wouldn't raise them. <laughs> Ephesians 6:1, children, obey your parents. Got any sick kids? Yep. Same thing applies to them. But it also says parents don't provoke your kids. Some of the same stuff. Let's go on to the next one. Patience. I think you got the picture on that one. Patience. You know what I think of when I think of patience? I think of Joshua and Caleb. Not only were they patient but they were patient with joy. Let's look at it. Joshua 14:6. The children of Judah came unto Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephthah, the Kinzonite, said to him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord has said to Moses, the man of God, concerning me at K-Barnea. Forty years are I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from K-Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brothers that went up made mine heart, uh, made the heart of the people melt, But I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses sware on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And behold, the Lord has kept me alive. And he said, These forty-five years... Since the Lord spake the word unto Moses while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and lo, I am now this day fourscore and five years old. And verse 11. And yet I am as strong this day as I was in that day that Moses sent me, and my was then, even so my strength is now, for war both to go out and to come in. And therefore give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake it in that day. For thou hearest in this day how the Ammonites were there and that the cities were great and fenced. And if so, the Lord be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave Caleb the son of Jephthah, Hebron, for an inheritance. And Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb the son of Jephthah, the Kinsanite, unto this day because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel." And the name of Hebron before the Keroth, Abra, Abra, was Abra and was great among the Anakites and in the land, and they had rest from war. And it says in the NIV that he was 85 years old and that he was strong. And I tell you what, the thing that blessed me about it was 45 years he had to put up what? Whining and murmuring and complaining and grumbling, and everybody talking about their leaders, and everybody putting everything down. And what did he do? He did not get moved. He had a vision before him, he had something in his sights, and he stayed strong. And he was patient to wait for what God had promised him. Now that takes a strong person to be around people every single day for 45 years. Now you're thinking a week. That's all I can take with these people. They're murmuring and they're complaining and they're whining. And I can't put up with them another day. For five years, he waited, and he waited, and he believed God, and he waited, and he waited, and he received the promise that God had promised him. Now, how long can you wait for what God promised you with unbelief around you? Or do you go down the tube... Because somebody tells you it don't work. Did they tell them that they would not inherit the promised land? Yeah, over and over and over again. The people with them said, we can't take that land. Over and over again, there's giants in there. They kept giving them evil report after evil report after evil report. So what if the doctors had given you an evil report? What if people have given you an evil report? You can't have that business. You can't have that house. You can't be healed. You can't get married. You'll get married. You'll never accomplish that. Who are you going to believe? Are you going to stand wholeheartedly, you and God? Are you going to be swayed by all the unbelief of the people talking about their leaders? People putting people down? Are going to wholeheartedly know in your heart what you believe and stand firm, no matter what the people next to you do? And trust in God. Because if you do, you'll still inherit, no matter what the people around you do. You will still get what God promised you. No matter what this person or what that person did, you'll still get what God promised you, but you have to be patient and stand. Say you're sick. Now God will heal you instantly. You say, "Well, then why ain't I healed? We' it at the very beginning. Does anybody remember what we said? According to your level of faith. God is no respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of faith. And it totally depends on what you believe. Now, some people can believe their headache will go away instantly. But now you hit them with cancer and they're like, no way. I'm going to die. It's toughed up to where you are. And the more built up you are on healing, the more you'll be able to stand on healing. There's people that can believe real strong on finances, but don't attack them with healing. There's people that can stand real strong on healing, but don't attack their bills. They'll file bankruptcy. So it's where you are. You have to find out where you are as to where you need to stand. Don't be moved by the person next to you. You can come out of it instantly, but you must get into the word. You must stand in what you believe, not what the person next to you believes. God is a healer. He has already healed you. You do not have to do anything to get healed except believe him. But that's where the problems come in, is your head and what you can believe, where you believe. All right, the next one. The next one. Godliness. We don't have many left. These will go quickly. Stay with me. Can you stay with me? Do you need to stand up and shake off? Do like Copper and Todd and some of you don't know what I'm talking about. Let's shake on it. All right, godliness. People call godliness different things. Some people call it the clothes they wear. Some people call it the way they look, the way they dress. Godliness is a respect for God and the things of God. That's what godliness is. And everybody has different levels of respect for, of the things for God. Brother Hagin Our spiritual father, I mean, I don't know that we could have learned from anybody any better than him. You never saw him do any type of ministry unless he had a suit on. Never. I mean, that was his uh, standard. That's what he believed in. He believed, and I am very, very close behind him that you should dress your very best to go to church. Your very best. Just come as you are, party. Reverence and respect God and the things of God. What you put in is what you're going to get out What you give is what you're going to receive. If you just show up here and say, We got another service, up. And you don't reverence it, and you're half yawning, and you're half paying attention, you'll get out of it that. We were at a funeral recently, and I kid you not, a cell phone rang and a woman talked through the funeral at the graveside. Now, we as a society have lost respect for the things of God. We've lost some respect for it. And that's why we don't have the moves of God that we could have. Because people have lost respect for some of the things of God. They don't come in with a reverence for the things of God. They don't treat their ministers with the respect. And I'm not just talking about us. They don't treat ministers in general with the respect that they should re- treat ministers People, Brother Hagen, I used to get so aggravated with the people, the way they would talk, how's the old man doing? No reverence, no respect. They'd call him senile and he could hear them. I mean, no respect for the things of God. I mean, here... We are so fortunate and so blessed. I mean, uh, Keith says, get your Bible out. Everybody gets their Bible out, you know. He says, pay attention. Everybody's paying attention, you know. But even here, I get real disappointed when, like, Keith says, we're going to have prayer and we're going to fast, and even some of our main leaders don't show up. Because that's no respect for God and the things of God. Because if they respected the leaders, that shows their respect for God. And it's like coming into the service with food and drink and stuff. That's not reverence-pecting God. It's, it's, it's It's not a show. We're not having a show here. And I'm not correcting you. I'm just saying how we can move to a higher level of the things of God. If we want them, godliness, what you get from God is what you give God. The more you reverence and respect God, it's like when I'm going to speak, I don't spend the day shopping. I don't spend the day partying. I spend the day, come straight from the presence of God, straight to answer maybe two questions to Him about what we need to do about the service, straight into the service with you. Because I reverence the things of God, and I want to give you directly what I'm feeling like I'm getting from God directly to you. I don't want to have three concessions and one shopping session and... and one party before I get here. If we want things from God and we want higher moves and higher levels from God, then we need to respect and reverence the thought more. And the more we put into the things of God, the more we're going to get out of the things of God. The more we pray, the more we seek Him, the more we honor Him, the more we're going to get out of the things he gives us. I know in, in talking about that, I know there's been p- times people have wondered, well, Mrs. Moore, you don't wear dresses to church all but oh, no, I don't. And I hadn't found a scripture for it yet. <laughs> I wore dresses for 20 years, and I haven't told this since the very beginning of the church, and I know we have a lot of new people. I wore dresses, some of the people in here know it, with the Hagens for almost twenty years from like seven o'clock in the morning till midnight. And heels and hose. And one day I looked at Brother Hagen and I asked him how he felt about me wearing pants to the morning service. And he says, If it don't bother your heart, it don't bother me. I said, Well I know it don't bother my heart. <laughs> And, but I still don't dress sloppily to come to church because I don't have a skirt on. In the, in the Bible, the men wore the dresses. So there you have it. Men, start wearing dresses to church. Okay? If we want to be scriptural about it. So... uh But, no, it's a a serious thing, you know. uh, We want the moves of God, guys. And we want to do, we don't want to get stiff. But I believe that we're coming into a time here at the church where the gifts are really, I, I know what's on Keith's heart. and. I believe that the gifts are about to really begin to flow in some things here. I know what he's been seeking God about, and I know some things. And uh, the more we as a church body reverence the things of God and honor the things of God and, you know, put him first and seek him first and come in with our hearts open and our minds reverencing him and the things of God and and are... Doing everything we know to respect. If the president was in here speaking you, and uh, you were going to see the president, you would dress differently. If you were going to dinner to see the president, right? You know, And I know some of you do the very best you can, and that's great, and that's what you should do. And and, and we're not knocking anybody, but you you just want to, like I said, lay in bed with a clear conscience that you're doing what you know, godliness, okay? Um, Let's go to the next one. I know y'all like that one real well. Um, (laughs) Godliness is a respect for God, and you have to follow your heart about it. And what happens is you get calloused. You come in one time and you have a check about doing it and you get by with it that one time and then the next time it gets easier and easier and easier and easier to continue doing what you did. And so uh, check your heart about it again. Brotherly kindness. Um, Real simple. um, Titus 1.8, a lover of hospitality, a lover of men. Amplified says he must be hospitable. Let's turn to uh, Luke 10:29. These are things we must add to our faith. Your faith has not been working. But he, willing to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said... A certain man da- went down from Jericho from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves and when he was stripped of his raiment and wounded and departed he was half dead and by chance there came down a certain priest that way and when he saw him he passed by on the other side But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And he went to him, and he bound up his wounds, pouring in the oil and the wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, and he gave them to the host, and he said to him, Take care of him. And whatever thou spent more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Now was that hospitable? Who took care of him? The Samaritan did. But the thing I wanted us to get out of that that I in my notes was I didn't see after that any place that it said and he went about telling every one of his friends what he had done for this man. Do you see that anywhere? And he went about bringing on all the things that he had done for these people. Today in our society, unless we get accolades for the things that we do, most have been unwilling to do them. But what we must keep in mind, guys... If we get all of our reward here, we're not going to get it there. And God sees what you do in secret will reward what? But if you tell about it openly, what's going to happen? You lose your reward. It says you lose it. You lose it. But if God sees it in secret, He will reward you in open. So let's make sure it happens that way, okay? Brotherly kindness. Make sure that the things that you do for your brother are done because you want to do them. Not because you're required to do them, but because you see somebody hurting God moves on your heart to do it and you do it because you love them and you want to do it, not because you're expecting a return on it. Not to be show and tell, as I say. All right? And number seven, charity. Love. Now, this is one I want you all to think about. I'm going to go a little bit different angle than probably what you're thinking on it. You can't fix everything for everyone. Love can mean leaving it for them to fix. Some people actually worry themselves sick about other people's problems. Trying to fix other people's problems that they can't fix. Matthew 6 5. And everybody knows this. Love is important, and we must walk in love with everybody. We must. We mustn't go around correcting people and finding fault. Matthew 6:25 says, "Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what you shall eat and what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than eat, meat and the body more than raiment? Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, neither gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to his stature? And why take you thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I see you that even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed as one of these. Amplified says, I tell you, stop being perpetually uneasy, anxious, worried about your life. The NIV says, therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink. Hebrews 4.3. It says, for we which have believed do enter into rest. Now, if you have kids that's been giving you problems, if you have family members that's been giving you problems, if you have people on the job that's been giving you problems, if you have money that's been giving you problems... Worry will make you sick. Worrying about your kids, worrying about your job, worrying about all these things will make you sick. Everybody go like this. Rest. Rest. Can you fix it? Then how come you hadn't already done it? If you can fix it, you should have already done it. And quit worrying about it. If you can't fix it, then why are you worrying about it? 1 Corinthians 2 5 in the Amplified says, and many, 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 many translations. Raise your hand if yours says this after we're done. So that your faith might not rest. So we know that faith rests in the wisdom. Of... How many of yours says that your faith might not rest? Yep, lots of translations say. So we know faith rests in the wisdom of men, our philosophy, but in the power of God. So your faith can rest in the power of God. Now, if I were to make cornbread today, Which I make cornbread all the time. And I can't remember when it turned out flat. Because I figured out what was causing it to be flat. Now, when Jesus' mother was at the wedding feast, and she told them to do what? Whatever he says, do it. That's what I'm telling you tonight. On all these things, I would, I would almost guarantee you, if your faith has not been working, you can look underneath one of these categories. And maybe I didn't spell it out in the exact area, that you've been missing it in or you've been lacking in, but you look underneath one of these. Virtue. What are they all? Let's see. Let's get them here so I don't read them off to you wrong. Virtue. Knowledge. Knowing to do something and not doing it. Temperance. Patience. Godliness. Brotherly kindness. Charity. If your faith has failed... In an area, you're still sick, you're still believing for your house, you're still believing for your mate, you're still believing for your kids, you're still believing, and your faith has failed. It's because you didn't add the ingredients. Because it doesn't take God that long to fix the situation. That long. He can have ravens bring the food. He can turn water into wine. But what do you have to do? Whatever he says. If he says, go fishing and I'll pay your taxes. Now that's going to sound mighty dumb. If you go fishing, I'll pay your taxes. Now how dumb does that sound? Pretty dumb, right? But that's what he did. They fished all night. They didn't catch anything. But go fishing again, and you'll catch a bunch of fish. Whatever he says, do it. You may not understand it, but if he says to you, go pick up your husband's underwear or husband's, if he says, start taking off work early and going home, or if he says, Give that sale to this person. Or if he says, quit taking those pills. Or if he says, be patient about this. Or if he says, turn the TV off. Or if he says, you'll think, what does that have to do with my healing? Whatever he says. Go fishing and you'll get your taxes. Go fill the water pot with water. We'll have wine. Doesn't always make sense. But whatever he says, do it. And you'll add to your faith the things that you need in order to get the things that you need from God. Does that make sense? Let's stand up and thank God. Thank you, Lord. For your answers, Father, I just ask you to reveal to people in here tonight... Whatever it is that you would say to them, Father, say it to them. If they've been worrying about something, Father, reveal to them what it is. If they've been pulling on people, reveal to them that. If they've been wanting pity, reveal to them that. If they've been in pride, reveal to them that. Whatever the situation is, Father, show them their area, Father, because you are not into faith failures. You are into faith victories, Father. And we just thank you. If you'll show us, we'll do it. And I commit to you tonight myself, Father, and anyone else in here, Father, if you to him that you will do it, say, I'll do it. I'll do do whatever you show me to do, Father. From this moment forward, forward, I commit to add to my faith Whatever you show me, I need to add. From this moment forward, forward, in Jesus' name, name. Amen. amen. And if you're in this place tonight and you haven't made Jesus the Lord of your life, there'll be people down here after the end of the service or you just need to talk to somebody and you want somebody to share with something that's going on in your life or you want somebody to pray with you, there'll be some people standing down here and they'll do that and they'll be hooked with you and believing with you and you just want somebody to talk to, they'll be down here. So if you would, guys, sing something happy for us.